Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. When you pray, when Jesus was speaking with his followers, he didn't say, if you pray. He didn't merely encourage them to to consider prayer. He said, when you pray. You see, Jesus understood that when it came to following him, when it came to living the life and accomplishing the things that God as believers was calling us to accomplish, Jesus knew that we need a way to connect with God. We need a way to speak to God, to hear from God, to access the power of God. Jesus knew that we would need a way to connect in relationship with our heavenly father. And that's what prayer does for us. Prayer connects you and me in relationship with our Heavenly Father. I mean, because let's face it, there are some things that God is calling us to do that we don't have the ability to do in and of our own strength. As followers of Jesus, we all have purpose and we all have an assignment from God that goes beyond what we have the wisdom and the strength to accomplish on our own. And we need the help and the power of God on our side in order to do the things that God is calling us to do. When you look at this church, Pastor Bobby cannot lead this church in his own strength. I know for myself, I can't do my job. I can't even preach this message in my own strength. And Lord knows our student pastor, Patrick Gallimore, my boy, along with Jen Harrison and Lindsay Poitras, Lord knows they cannot lead journey students without the help and the power of God on their side. I mean, it's filled with a bunch of crazy middle schoolers, half of which smell like Axe body spray. And the other half, they smell like gym socks and tater tots. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know what? They cannot lead the student ministry without the help and the power of God on their side. Come on, somebody. You know it's right. But isn't isn't it true for you as well? You can't be the employee that you need to be. You can't be the employer that you need to be without the help and the power of God on your side. Husbands, you cannot be the husband to your wife that she desperately needs you to be without the help and without the power of God on your side. Moms, you cannot be the mother to your children that they need without the help and the power of God on your side. And we know this because we've tried on our own and we failed. We've leaned into our own strength. We've leaned into our own wisdom and we've come up empty. And if we're going to do the things that God is calling us to do, we have to have God's help in order to accomplish the things that he has set us out to accomplish. And prayer is what connects us to the supernatural. God never intended for you to live life merely naturally. God intended for you to live a supernatural life in touch with his power. And his power allows you to be empowered to do the things that he has called you to do. And prayer is what gives us access to God's supernatural help that will empower you to be and become everything he's called and created you to become. 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul, recognizing the importance of prayer and the necessity of prayer, the power of prayer, he writes these words in verses 16 through 18. He says, Rejoice always and pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered what God's will for your life was? Here it is right here. It's that you would be continuously connected with your heavenly father. This is God's heart for you. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And we read the words of Paul and we hear what Jesus is saying and we say, like, pray continually. Like, always pray. How am I supposed to do that? Well, what you need to know is that Paul nor Jesus are, are talking about you need to be found at the foot of your bed on your knees at all times with your hands folded and your eyes closed. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is that, is that in every aspect of your life, it's an, you need to invite God into that situation. You need to invite, continuously invite God into every decision, into every circumstance, into every relationship, into every single moment of every single day. He, it's this continuous connection with our Heavenly Father. And in John chapter 15, Jesus, he describes the type of relationship that he wants to have with us as his followers. In John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, and I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me. Some of the translations of the Bible that you may have, they may use the word abide. And that word abide is the same as the word remain. It simply means to stay with, to continue with, to dwell in, to remain in, to rest in. Jesus wants you to rest into your relationship with him. He wants you to find rest in him, continuously connected, this continuous idea of remaining and resting in him. Jesus wants you to rest in him the same way that your daddy used to rest in that 1993 lazy boy recliner that he had. You know the one that he had. It's probably, some of, it's probably the one that some of you dads still have to this day. I mean, you know the chair that I'm talking about. It's the chair that your wife and your kids have asked you to throw away like countless times. But you can't bring yourself to do it because this is the chair that I sit in, that I rest in, that I sink into every morning when I'm enjoying my cup of coffee. This is the chair that when I come home after a long day of work, I sit in this chair, I sink into this chair, I rest in this chair. And let's be real, you have sat in this chair so much that the imprint of your body is still there even after you've gotten up. I mean, it's like even when you're gone, it's as if you're still with us. I mean, like that's, I mean, if your wife and your kids wanted to buy you a pair of pants for Father's Day, they could just get your measurements out of the chair. I mean, that's, you have never missed a day in this chair. You have never missed a day of sitting in, reclining in, resting in your favorite chair. This is the type of relationship that Jesus wants with you and with me. A remain in, stay with, continue with, dwell in, rest in me. Jesus is not interested in a Sunday relationship with you. 
Jesus doesn't want you to walk into this building, engage with him here within these four walls, only to watch you get up and walk away, leaving him behind as you go into your week. Jesus wants a staying, a remaining, a continuing relationship with his children. And what you need to know is that whenever you live there, when you stay there, when you remain, when you continue, Jesus wants you to know that there is power there. He wants you to know that there is peace there. Church, there are miracles in that place. Rest in, remain in, and prayer is the access point to that power. Prayer is the access point to that power. And so today, I want to help us to understand how we can actually create this this lifestyle of prayer that that helps us to to continue in and have this continual connection with our Heavenly Father. Because for many of us, we would say that, that we know that prayer is important. It's something that we're supposed to do. It's something that we should do. But what I found is that most of us don't actually enjoy it. You know, it's this spiritual discipline and it's this discipline thing. And what I've learned about prayer is that, yes, prayer is this spiritual discipline, but it doesn't have to stay a discipline. Prayer is something that you could actually, it can become second nature. It's something that you could actually learn to enjoy. And it's something that can become part of your lifestyle. It's not just enough to know how to pray, but it's this idea of creating a lifestyle of prayer that keeps us continuously connected with our Heavenly Father. And today, I just want to help us to understand how we can can do that. And I just want to share some principles with you that I believe if we apply these to our lives and to prayer, we can actually create this, this lifestyle of prayer that keeps us connected to our Heavenly Father in a continuous remaining and resting in type of way. And the first principle around creating a lifestyle of prayer is understanding the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. And we all know what priorities are. Priorities are the things in this life that we put ahead of everything else. Priorities are the things that we put first in this life. And, and, and I mean, and, and, and we, we know what it's like. It's these interests and these concerns and these, these desires that, that they just have, they just have like the, like the top, they're the top uh, of, our, of our interests. It's what we, what we lean into first. And what, you need, and what we need to realize is that when it comes to prayer, prayer needs to be our first response and not our last resort. Because isn't that how we treat prayer so much of the time? It's this last resort. Prayer is this, it's our last ditch effort, our 911 phone call. I have tried everything else in the world that I can possibly think of. God, I guess it's up to you at this point. But what if our approach to prayer and our attitude towards prayer was something like, when I wake up in the morning before I get my day started, I pray first. Before I go to bed and close my eyes to go to sleep at the end of the day, what if I prayed first? Before I make that financial decision, what if I pray first? Before I walk into that meeting at work with the boss I can't stand, what if I pray first? Students, before you walk into the halls of your school tomorrow morning, what if you prayed first? Come on, somebody, what if before I pulled onto Washington Road, (laughs) we pray first? Some of you need to. It's our first response, not our last resort. And the first aspect of all that is actually really, really important. 
In Scripture, first has a lot of significance. First, in Scripture, it, it communicates the level of importance of the person that you're doing something for. You know, you put that person's need above your own. It communicates that level of importance, which in turn actually gets that person's attention and they notice you. First also sets the precedence for everything that is to follow. In other words, first has the power to bless the rest. It communicates the level of significance in regard to what you're doing. Before you came to church this morning, there was a prayer team that showed up early and they walked all across this building in the auditorium, the atrium, kids ministry, and they were praying first over everything that would take place through worship, through prayer, through teaching and kids ministry because we believe in the power of what we do first has the opportunity to impact everything else that will take place in this place today. First, it's actually why the early church decided to move the worship experience from the last day of the week, which was the Sabbath, to the first day of the week. One, because Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And so whenever they moved the worship experience to the first day of the week, it meant that they were commemorating the resurrection every single Sunday. The second reason is because they believed that whenever they would come together in worship, in teaching, and in prayer on the first day of the week, God had the ability to use what they did first to impact everything else that would take place that week. That's why we talk about the, the principle of first when it comes to tithing. Giving of the first 10% of our income back to God through tithing. Let me let you in on a little bit of a secret. It's not about the amount as much as it is about the order in which you give it. See, whenever you tithe, you're not just financing a church. You are communicating to God that in my finances, you are first. It's this power of first. And so this week, I want to, like, we, should, we need to make prayer. We need to attach that same mentality, that same thought process to prayer. Make time with God and make prayer a priority in your life today. Make it, make it a priority in your life today. In Scripture, in Scripture, we see this practice in, in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 10. It says, when now Daniel learned that, that, that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God. And note this, just as he had done before, Daniel had developed this habit, this discipline that had become a part of his lifestyle. And it did not matter what was going on in his life, in that season, in that month, in that day. Da uh, Daniel, Daniel had made prayer so much a priority that it didn't matter what was going on in that day. He went to his place of prayer as a priority that he had created and made it a part of his lifestyle. And so this week, I want to encourage you to make time with God. Make prayer a priority. Make an appointment with God every day this week and actually keep it. Every single one of us, we use calendars on our phones, our mobile devices, our computers. Schedule in your computer, in your calendar, schedule an appointment with God every day this week. And then if somebody calls you and they want to meet up for coffee or they want to schedule a meeting and it happens to be during that time, tell them, I'm sorry, can we find another time? I've already got an appointment scheduled. You don't have to tell them what the appointment is. 
but just make that appointment. And when it comes up on your calendar, spend that time with God, spend that time in prayer and watch what God will do in your life. All because you made the decision to make prayer and your relationship with him a priority in your life. It's this, it's this principle of priority. And the second principle around prayer that we need to understand when it comes to creating a lifestyle of prayer is understanding the place of prayer. The place of prayer. You can read all throughout Scripture on many occasions where it said that Jesus actually would play, pray in certain places. I and mean, if you've been around church, maybe you grew up in church, you've been around church for any length of time, you might have actually heard some Christians actually use the term prayer closet. You know, I'm going to go into my prayer closet. Now, let's be really, really clear. They're not actually talking about going into a closet literally necessarily. They're just talking about the fact that they've got a designated place where they like to pray, where they like to get alone and pray. Now, for some of you, it may actually be a closet. You might want to get in that closet, close the door, and just, man, around you, it's just shoes, shoes, more shoes. In Jesus' name, more shoes. I mean, that might be you. But uh, for me, I, I like to have a little bit more room. I like to, I need some space. Man, I like, to, I, I like to walk around. I like to have worship music playing out loud. I like to pray out loud. God bless Chastity Diggs' heart because her office is right next to mine, and she's in there in her office working while I'm in there with the worship music playing, and I'm pacing, and I'm, I'm walking around, and I'm praying out loud. Truth be told, she's heard this sermon three times before Sunday rolled around. I mean, and I guess the real, I guess as loud as I am, I think everybody in the office has heard this sermon before Sunday got here. But it's this, it's just this place of prayer. Jesus had these places of prayer in Mark chapter one, verse 35. It says that very early in the morning, and notice that the priority aspect of it all, very early in the morning. First thing, first thing, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He had these places of prayer. Many scholars actually believe that uh, whenever Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and then crucified, they believe that it wasn't the only time he prayed in the garden. They believe that the Garden of Gethsemane was a place of prayer for Jesus, that he would get up early in the morning and he'd visit the Garden of Gethsemane on multiple occasions. Now, I've never been to Israel. I've never been to Jerusalem. I've never been in the Garden of Gethsemane, but I've seen pictures and I've read about it. And whenever you are standing in the Garden of Gethsemane, there is a vantage point overlooking the city of Jerusalem that's absolutely spectacular. And I can just imagine Jesus getting up early in the morning and going to this place of prayer in the garden overlooking the city that he loved and praying over the people that he had come to save. It's this place of prayer. I want to encourage you. Identify a place of prayer for yourself this week. A place where you can get alone with God. For some of you, it might be, the, it might be walking through your neighborhood. For others, maybe it's, the, maybe it's the drive to work. It's the drive to school. For me, it's in my office walking around, praying out loud. For some of you, listen, for some of you, it might not even be a physical place. For some of you, it's a place that you need to allow your mind and your heart to go so that God can do in you what he's always wanted to do. But there's power in understanding the place of prayer. Third principle in and around prayer 
when it comes to creating this lifestyle of prayer, this continuous relationship with God, is understanding the plan of prayer. Plan of prayer. Anytime you want to have a meaningful relationship with anyone, it requires intentionality. It requires some planning. And that's because great, great relationships need direction because without direction, you will, end up in, you will end up in places in that relationship that you never meant to be. Great relationships require direction. If any of you have ever been on a date and you pulled out of the driveway and you looked over to your right and said, all right, babe, where are we going? I can almost guarantee you how that conversation went. I can almost guarantee how the date itself actually went. Because that is not how you do that. If you want the date to go smoothly and you want to appear to be smooth, you need to have the place of destination locked in before you pull out the driveway. And guys, if you want to be really good, you better have a reservation so that lady does not have to wait to eat whenever you get there. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it requires planning. It requires intentionality. And the same is true with prayer. How many times have you gone into prayer and the next thing you know, you are thinking about everything else in the world except for Jesus, let alone prayer? I mean, almost all the time. And so this week, start gather some resources to help you apply some focus to your prayer. Write out a list of scripture that you want to pray over your life and over the lives of other people in your life. Write out a list of names of people that you know that you need to be praying for. Write out a list of their needs beside their name so that you can be specific with your prayer. In September, it's going to be coming up in just a few weeks, we do something here at Journey called the 930. And we call it the 930 because September has, is the ninth month and it has 30 days in it. And, but during that time, we enter into a time of 30 days of prayer and fasting. And in preparation for that, we are putting together some prayer resources that we can put in your hand that will help you apply some focus and some plans and some intentionality to your prayer life. And on the first day of September, we're going to have a, a journey prayer guide available for you. You can download a digital copy or you can pick up a physical copy at the Next Steps area. But we want to put this in your hands so that we can resource you to pray some specific and some intentional prayers. Put some plans with your prayers. And whenever you apply that level of intentionality to your prayers, watch God bless it in some really amazing ways. And watch God work in the lives of the people that you're praying for. But it's this plan of prayer. Jesus had a plan of prayer. In Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says that once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Jesus had a plan for prayer. The Lord's prayer is not as much a prayer that we pray as much as it is a model for how we should pray. And actually, you don't have to wait until September to get some prayer resources. We have Lord's Prayer studies available for purchase at the Next Steps area. Go get one of those today and begin applying focus to your prayers today. And watch God bless your intentionality. It's this priority of prayer, the place of prayer, the plan of prayer. Now, this next principle around prayer, I believe, is actually the most important. And I believe understanding the next principle of prayer has the power to transform your life and your relationship with God in ways that go beyond anything the other three can. And that's understanding the persons of prayer. 
And yes, persons is pluralized because I'm talking about God in three persons. I'm talking about the Trinity. We have to have a better understanding of, of the Trinity as it pertains to, to our relationship with them and, our relation, and, and how we connect with them in prayer. Understanding, understanding the Trinity is recognizing this, that whenever we pray, we connect with the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we connect with each of them in a different way, and we relate to each one of them in prayer in a different way. And we have to, and whenever you understand the differences, that's because they all, they each have a different personality and have different responsibilities when it comes to how we relate to them. And whenever you understand the differences between God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, it will bring a new level of significance to your relationship with them and how you connect with them. And I believe that one of the best descriptions of the Godhead of the Trinity is found in second Corinthians chapter 13. As Paul is closing out his letter to the Corinthian church, he, he has this prayer and he writes out this benediction, which is just a closing prayer. And this is what Paul writes in, verse, in, in chapter 13, verse 14 of 2 Corinthians. He says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. In this benediction, Paul introduces us to the Trinity. And he introduces us to them in the order that we relate to them. And he introduces us to the specific personalities that each one of them carry. And Paul first introduces us to the amazing grace of Jesus. The amazing grace of Jesus. Right out of the gate, Paul is saying the first personality of the Trinity that you need to know and the first dimension of prayer that you need to understand is you need to understand, you need to know who Jesus is. And that's because Jesus is the one that's carrying your prayers to the Father. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. It says that Jesus is the mediator, the one who stands between God and man. In other words, Jesus is standing between us and between God, and he's connecting us with God. It's like whenever you were in middle school and you would write a note to the person that you liked and wanted to go with. I don't know why we ever said go with because you never went with them anywhere except maybe to the cafeteria, <laughs> which is why middle schoolers smell like gym socks and tater tots. But you would write a note to this person that you liked. And then you couldn't take the note to the person that you liked. You had to have somebody else take that note to the person that you liked. And then you would have to get their response. And then they would come back to you and tell you what they said. That is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. And he's having a conversation with him about you. And let me tell you how that conversation is going. It says, Father, I... Will, Will is, Will's hurting right now. Will's, Will's struggling right now. I, I just spoke to him and what he's going through, what he's dealing with, the pain that he's feeling. I mean, it, it's hard. It's difficult. And, and I know how difficult it is because I've been there. And I've walked through it too. And he needs your help right now. You see, Jesus carries your hurt. He carries your pain. He carries your, your temptation. He carries your sin. He carries your struggle to the Father. 
And it's because of the amazing grace of Jesus that I get to experience a relationship with the living God. It's the amazing grace of Jesus. And then Paul introduces us to the next, to the next personality in the Trinity. And, that's the, and that, that's, that's the extravagant love of God, the extravagant love of the Father. And I know for some of you in this room, thinking about God, seeing God, calling God Father may be difficult for you. And maybe that's because you had a, ne a negative experience with an earthly father. And your negative experience with an earthly father has kind of polluted your experience with your heavenly father. But what I need you to know is that God's favorite name to be called is Father. And today, God wants to restore in your mind and in your heart what the love of a true father is really all about. And he wants to heal you from that today. You see, because whenever you think about father, the first thing that comes to your mind is hurt, it's pain, it's rejection. But what you need to know that when it comes to the extravagant love of our heavenly father, there is no hurt, there is no pain, there is no rejection. It's just open arms and a warm embrace. And he desperately wants to hold his children. And he wants to shower love on you. And he wants to protect you. And he wants to comfort you. And he wants to bless you. In Psalm chapter, one, chapter 103, verses 8 through 13, David writes this. He says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He doesn't even give us what we deserve when we've wronged. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Not those who are afraid of him, those who fear him, those who respect him, who revere him, who honor him. It says, as high as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, and as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God is a loving and a compassionate and a kind father who wants nothing but good things for his children. It's the amazing grace of Jesus that leads us into the extravagant love of our heavenly father. Now, this next personality within the Trinity is different than the first two. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be difficult for us to understand because none of us, a lot of us really don't relate to Him. We don't ever really relate to Him in the way that God is intended. And it's because we, we struggle to know really a lot about the Holy Spirit. I mean, for some, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, like, what's up with this ghost? I mean, this Holy Ghost, I don't know if I want to be relating to a ghost. I mean, it's like, can I relate to the first two and then just not worry about the third one? I mean, because if you're like me, if you grew up in church, you probably grew up with one of a couple of different experiences with the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, you didn't really know much about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was just a name that you said at the end of the Lord's Prayer when you prayed before the church softball game. And then others of you, you grew up in a church world where it was the Holy Spirit, the whole Holy Spirit and nothing but the Holy Spirit. And the reality is that neither one of those, you know, neither one of those extremes is really what the heart of the Holy Spirit really is. And, and really, we have to have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what his role in our lives is if we are going to live the lives that God has called us to live. 
And do you want to know what the Holy Spirit's role is in your life? I'm going to make it really, really simple. When the prayer meeting is over, he goes with you. He goes with you. Whenever you get done with your prayer time, Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me the way that you do. And the Holy Spirit is like, all right, now let's go live this thing called life. It's because the Holy Spirit is with us when the prayer meeting is over. And he goes with us and he stays by our side in the same way that a friend would be by our side to help us. In fact, that's why Paul describes him as it's the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's name in Scripture, it's a Greek word, parakletos. And literally translated, it is the one who is called to be by our side always. And Jesus, in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You see, the Holy Spirit is the only one that we don't just relate to in prayer and talk to alone. He actually goes with us. And Jesus says, I'm going to send him to be with you forever. And he's going to counsel you. He's going to help you. He's going to guide you into truth. He's going to give you that check in your spirit when you don't need to do something, when you need to do something. He's going to lead you into truth and he's going to give you the power to accomplish everything God is calling you and setting you out to accomplish. Paul says it's in the amazing grace of Jesus. Because you don't need to go anywhere until you first go to the foot of the cross and understand that Jesus paid for it all and carries your prayers to the Father. And when you get to the Father, there's no hurt, there's no pain, there's no rejection. It's just the extravagant love of a heavenly Father who wants nothing but good things for his children. And it's the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit who goes with you to help you and empower you to be and become everything that God has ever wanted you to become. And so today, I pray over you. May the amazing grace of Jesus and the extravagant love of God the Father and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. God, I pray for every single person in this room today. Would you take us to a brand new place in our relationship with you? Would you draw us close to you? God, would you help us in how we communicate and how we relate to you so that we can build the relationship with you, a remaining, a continuing relationship with you that you desperately want to have with us? God, help us to make prayer a priority in our lives. Help us to put you first in all that we do. And God, help us to find a place and to find a plan that would help us to connect with you in a, in a better and easier way. And God, today I want to thank you for the persons of prayer, for the, for the amazing grace of Jesus, and for the extravagant love of the Father. 
and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Father, would you help us to recognize that prayer is about ultimately creating a relationship with you. That's the real goal. We thank you for these things. And now as everybody's head bowed, we're still continuing to pray, every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if there's anybody in the room today that maybe you're sitting there and you'd say, I'm not that close to God. I, I don't really have a relationship with him. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're still carrying the weight of your, of your own guilt. Maybe you're carrying the, the, the weight of shame. Maybe you're still carrying your own struggles. You're carrying your own, your own heartaches. I want to introduce you to the amazing grace of Jesus. And I want to invite you to hand all of that over to Jesus so that he can take it to the Father. And the moment you do that, you will be set free to live the life that God has called you to live. You will experience a freedom like you've never known. And if that's you, you you want that, you need that. You can hand it all over to Jesus. You can step into that relationship with really just one simple heartfelt prayer. And maybe for some of you, you'd be praying that prayer for the first time. Maybe others of you, you might be praying that prayer because you're coming back to God because you know you've walked away for a while. And I just want you to know that God never walked away from you. He's waiting there as a father would with his arms open wide, ready to welcome you back home. And if that's you today, you need a relationship with Jesus. You need to experience the amazing grace of Jesus and the extravagant love of a heavenly father. If that's you today, every head bowed, every eye closed, I wonder if you just let me know by slipping up your hand. I want to pray for you. That's you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I see your, I see. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You can put your hand down. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. Just pray this with me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for taking on my guilt and my shame. Today, I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Now I want you to pray to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your extravagant love. A love so great that you sent your only son to die for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to get close to you and build a relationship with you. And thank you for the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of me and will go with me to help me live for you with all of my heart. Pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we put our hands together for everybody who made a decision to follow Jesus today? It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.